thank you for joining me today on Hope for Heroes Texas. This is Brad Cornell, where we serve those who serve us as they carry the weight of the badge. It's gonna be a long one, another graveyard shift. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Here you are, Hope for Heroes. Man, I'm glad you joined us today, HopeForHeroesTX.org. Check it out. That's our website. And, uh, you know, we're so blessed today on the Hope for Heroes Way to the Badge podcast of having a super guest. I'm telling you, you know, it's been a challenging weekend, folks. You just got to know that um, what our heroes put up with and what they do and how they are trying to protect us. You know, every time they put their their uniform on, they put their family second and ours first, and terrible things can happen in this last weekend, or this weekend, this last weekend, this weekend, whatever you want to call it. We lost an officer, a SWAT officer in Austin um, through a shooting. We lost another senior lady officer that was a sweetheart through suicide. It's just what what they put their lives on the line all the time for. It just breaks my heart, and that's what Hope for Heroes is here for. We're here to give them hope. So when you come to a Hope for Heroes event, you will see the hope that we give these officers that come into a Hope for Heroes event. You need to come to one when you get a chance. Um, just go on our website, hopeforheroestx.org. Check out, put your, your phone number or your uh, your um, email in there, and you'll know exactly when the next one is. And we need you there. All you can do is a greeting. Heck, you're going to come over here for an hour, 930, get there at 930, have some breakfast tacos and free coffee and breakfast taco and uh, and wait till about 10 o'clock and our heroes will be coming in, the families, and we blast them with how much we care about them, how special they are. So don't over forget, don't, don't, don't miss one of those. But I do want to tell you that today, I've got just a special, special guest on. He's been through some stuff, and you're going to really love it. This will be a series. I'll be having him back on because his story, uh, you know, podcasts aren't good to last 12 hours. So we need to do a little at a time because he's got such an amazing story. His name is Brian McVeigh. He's 46 years old. He was a Chicago PD for 10 years. He has two kids, um, nine and seven years old, and not too awful long ago, he had a terrible accident, folks. It was just a terrible accident while he was on duty and uh, just really, really tore him up bad. Then he moved to the, moved he and his family here to beautiful Texas, Bernie, Texas. And then the unexpected happened. And it's just tragic how, uh, how some things are happening we're just not ready for. So today, I would like to welcome to the Hope for Heroes Way to the Badge podcast, Brian McVeigh. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Thank I'm you for having me, Brad. Doing fantastic, man. Thank you for coming. Well, hey, Brian, I know we want to just kind of get right into it, and I want people to know that uh, they're going to want to keep coming back and keep hearing the podcast because your story is amazing. What you do today is amazing. You're an awesome writer, um, teacher. You do some – and a dad. I mean, <laughs> I tell you what, you uh, you really are a blessing to a lot of people, so – I'll Thank tell you, you what, Brad. That means a lot to me. Yeah, well, you mean a lot to a lot of people. And I, I was honored and blessed to meet Brian probably a year and a half ago at the Black, well, where else would you think in Bernie Black Rifle <laughs> Coffee Company? And uh, we've just kind of be, been friends and acquaintances and just kind of, you know, whenever I get to see him, it's always a blessing. And finally, I get to rope him and we get him in here. And and now we get to just kind of hear his story because he's changed so many lives with his story. And he'll be telling you about that. So without further ado, let's start. Tell us about the accident. Kind of give us a rundown on all that. Sure. And uh, it's it's 11 years this month. Uh, my accident was on November 28th, 2012. Mm. And like any day, it was a um, roll call. And, uh, you know, being on a gang team on the south side of Chicago, I don't know if, what to expect. That job, it's it could be a circus at times, and it starts at roll call. 
Uh, one day you're coming to work and you're doing two search warrants. And the next day you're, you're, you're starting your day at 5 a.m. Um, and we're hitting uh, parts of the city that have just been so violent that we're going to come in, kick in doors and get the bad guys and take them off the street. But, uh, but on that day, November 28th, 2012, it was like any other day. And um, I made one monumental move that I was driving with our gang team. We had one unmarked car and there was five of us going out to the parking lot. And I made a split second decision. I saw uh, other coworkers uh, from another gang team that I saw. Well, no one was in their back seat. So I decided, I told this gang team, I said, hey, I'm going to drive with them today because I didn't want to drive three guys in the back of an unmarked. I'd be, uh, I was the smallest guy, so I was going to be squished. So I made a split second decision and ended up driving in the back seat with other uh, gang officers. And uh, my life changed uh, on that day. Just one decision. We, um, we started driving around, uh, being on the gang team. We don't answer calls. We just go to the person with a gun or we go to the high crime uh, areas where there's a lot of shootings, a lot of murders. Um, so that day we were uh, about 10 a.m. We got a call of a person with a gun. En route to the call, um, we were driving at a, a, a decent speed. Uh, we ended up getting uh, through traffic we ended up losing control of the car. Uh, I was in the back seat of the car, so um, I saw the front uh, seat passenger, who um, has been a, a friend and guardian angel. I saw him putting on his seatbelt at the last second uh, because we were going to the call. We were just stopped at a gas station, I believe, to get a, a drink. And when the call came out, uh, we we jumped back in the car, and I saw him uh, put his seatbelt on, and I thought, well. There's a lot of times, and officers know this, this is, um, I'm not speaking out of school, but some officers, f- for me, I took great pride in chasing the bad guys, so I didn't wear a seatbelt back then um, all the time. And having said that, I put my seatbelt on, and within a minute, our car hit uh, a light pole, and uh, it was a slow news day. Chicago reported it uh, immediately that our car flipped, rolled Ooh. And then we hit another light pole. And when that happened, uh, I remember waking up to my glasses broke, my eyeglasses broke. There was glass from the vehicle in my eyes and in my mouth. And I just remember looking around and it's just like out of the movies. You hear that piercing sound. Everything is going slow. And I'm wondering why I can't get out of the car and I can't move. And I, uh, in, in moments of my life where I was, whether it was getting shot at or going through a, an emotional, stressful ordeal with friends or family, I kind of like to uh, bring the dark humor, as many cops do, into the situation. And I remember um, coming in and out of it, the, uh, the moment I realized something was bad was the fire department was there hosing off our car. And thankfully... There's many officers that are in many car wrecks where the gas tank hits, uh, they hit a pole like we did, and the gas tank blows up and they're in the car burning alive. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank God that didn't happen to us. But the officers, or sorry, the firemen that showed up on scene, the first thing they did was hose off our car. 
And then I realized I came to it again and I noticed that there was um, extension cords near my, my window and the firemen were basically using the jaws of life to cut me out of the car or get me out of the car. Um, and the one part that I remembered that I was kind of laughing at uh, that day was this fireman with a big mustache was saying, you know, he's trying to calm me down and uh, telling me that it's going to be all right. You're alive. Cause I was in bad shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what happened to you? Ended up, uh, the side I was on, specifically the back of the unmarked vehicle, hit the pole um, going at a high rate of speed. Part of the trunk uh, was about a football field away. Um, and I've got, uh, thankfully, it was, a again, slow news day. We have pictures of my vehicle, of me in the car, where they're getting me, extracting me out. And um, they got me to the hospital where I uh, broke my hip. I shattered my wrist. Um tore both of my shoulders up with my biceps torn, um, ended up having a unique, uh, uh, neck surgery. Um, and it took many years to get all these done. But, um, at the time I was in the hospital for about a month, went to a rehab facility and was just, um, again, I didn't, I practiced my shooting. I practiced my verbal judo being the police because what, what the, the listeners and most civilians don't understand is being on a gang team or being an officer in any small town, you sometimes have to take people to jail that don't want to go. So I had a hard time in the beginning thinking, boy, there's a lot of officers that have to fight their way through these arrests. And I was a, a young uh, buck learning that I didn't want to fight. I didn't want blood on my right. uniform. So I was able to talk it out, but going through this accident taught me that, boy, I wasn't prepared for this. I was in a neck brace. I was bedridden for uh, three weeks or a month. And the humility of having uh, to have help and not being able to move um, for a month was humiliating. And it was a hard, hard pill to swallow. I went from being a, a very healthy person uh, and the other part of this story was a few months before this squad car accident, I got married. I see. Were you married, huh? And um, I remember being in the hospital or the rehab center trying to practice getting out of the bed to a wheelchair. Um, I remember seeing um, my wife at the time um, crying. And I thought, boy, she she feels bad for me. What's going on? And she said, we had to, she had the the, the epiphany that, we were now also going to uh, be canceling our honeymoon because I wasn't going to be going uh, on our honeymoon in a wheelchair <laughs> yeah. uh, with surgeries uh, coming up. But um, it, it took, and this is what um, Hope for Heroes does that has made it an incredible organization. It was the, the officers, wives, and family are a part of the celebration yes. at these events because it's, it, it took a toll on my wife at the time because she didn't plan for it. And um, I'll tell you, the one thing that we talked years later about was the notifications of two people. When I was in the ambulance, they were cutting my clothes off. I, it was such a, a surreal moment because I was on the other end in the ambulance talking to gunshot victims and trying to talk to them. Hey, man, who did this? Who did this to you? 
before they bleed out. And now I'm on the gurney. They're cutting my clothes off, trying to see where I'm bleeding. If I, and I thought I was paralyzed because I couldn't feel a thing. But the sergeant in the ambulance said, hey, do you want, you want us to call your wife? You want us to get her to the hospital? I said, yes. I don't know how I remembered her phone number or maybe they looked at my phone, um, but they notified my, my mother and my wife. And I remember the officer, and this is where departments need a little compassion. My, uh, an off, a uniformed officer went to my uh, then wife's work and she, uh, this officer walked in and my, my wife about fainted because that's not a good sign. No, sure. That's scary. Yeah. And, um, I, and the same thing happened. Two detectives showed up, um, at the school my mother was teaching at, and I didn't want my poor mother at the time driving to downtown to the hospital <laughs> they took me to, to, uh, wonder and worry. So during those notifications, I've, uh, also wrote about this for those officers and their families. If you do get off, uh, injured, have someone on scene or have a friend be able to notify your spouse so it's a, a comforting... Uh, yeah, it's a comforting uh, ordeal, not a yes. show up and... Yeah, that's traumatic. And and having some officers that aren't uh, trained properly to in the field of compassion, Yeah, um, it was a very stressful ordeal for my um, wife at the time and for my mother. And I remember this too, because my mother mentioned it. She's in the back of an unmarked squad car going to the hospital, wondering, worrying. And she said, hey guys, can can you get there a little faster? They didn't know the severity. There's 12,500 officers. They just figured they'd drive this officer's mother. Well, my mom was basically saying, go a little faster. Yeah, it's kicking up a notch. My blood pressure's through the roof. <laughs> yeah, so what did they end up? Did you have some pins? I imagine you had all kinds of metal in you. Huh? Did you yeah, I had a, I mean, the, the first surgery uh, was my wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 if you could imagine when you, I flinched at the last minute and I put my hand up by my yeah. face and that's where the vehicle hit the pole uh, before we ended up hitting another pole. Um, but again, I can't pre- uh, preface this enough that the, the gift of putting that seatbelt on is the reason yeah, I'm alive are a today. Big deal. That's a great, that's a great message, folks. You got to have that seatbelt. That's why you get a ticket when you don't do it. Yes. I, yeah. I, I severely injured my upper body due to the nature of the speed and, and hitting yeah. the pole on my, our, our end of the vehicle. And then subsequently the rolling or flipping the car yeah. and then hitting another pole, light pole, um, was a, was a lot of damage to my right side. But then, uh, hitting, um, having, it was the knee, the hip, the hand, the shoulders, the neck, and then, um, numerous surgeries with the above stated, as well as, uh, uh, issues, um, I've had with my collapsed lung surgery, which, um, is very humbling. Yeah, I bet. Why did you, um, you were in the hospital for months. I mean, if you, well, I mean, I'll go back. If you wouldn't have been wearing your seatbelt, you'd be dead. Correct. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, I, and knowing um, an officer's family very well um, who lost his life to an accident. Um, and it was a drunk driver that hit the Chicago police officer. And it, it's, uh, it's remarkable how close I've got to this family only because of what I went through. Yeah. Um, and it's the humility that I would never have had. I'm thinking the worst and hoping.
Hey, we got exciting things going on at Hope for Heroes TX. We're getting ready to do a beautiful uh, a retreat up at the Candlelight Ranch, which is an amazing place up by Austin. And then, of course, we have our Kindle Inn right here where we have our greetings on Saturday morning, which is incredible. You need to show up for that. And so Hope for Heroes TX has got a lot of exciting things happening this next year. And we got a gala coming up. Get ready to put that in your calendar. I'll let you know when it is soon. Are gone. Now my shift is finally over. Well, yeah, and that's what's so special, especially, you know, sticking together. You do help a lot of people with it's your story and your personality and your attitude. And you're uh, you're a blessing to a lot of people. So now you've, you're getting out of the hospital. Are you thinking about moving then? Or are you just, what, what brought you to Texas? Um, we specifically moved to Bernie, the, the hill country, um, because my wife's family recently moved here. Uh-huh. And um, with all uh, the surgeries I've had and then the future surgeries, I realized, um, and, the, and this is a side note, um, at the time we were thinking about moving, my mother was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Uh, ovarian cancer, which is a death sentence. Yeah, and uh, my family. It was a very traumatic event for the her five kids and my dad. Um, my parents have been together fifty plus years. It was very traumatic, and I I thought, well, if if mom goes in the next six months, which literature states ovarian cancer stage four, yeah. you're not here long. Um, I wanted to do the right thing and uh, start start over with my family in Texas. And yes. uh, at the time, my daughter was not even two. And uh, my wife was pregnant with my little guy. And uh, I thought, boy, this is this would be great to start over and start something new in Texas. And how long ago was that? 2016. 2016. So you moved to Texas, you've got your wife's pregnant, and you find a place to live? You've yeah, we were, we were in an apartment uh, for a year and then found our dream home in Bernie. All right. Uh, a year later. Yeah. So how is it going? So now comes now here you're out there. You're still probably in a lot of pain. Are you in a wheelchair? No, no. So you're still you're just rehabbing. Correct. Still, still. I think I, I, at the time I had a, a shoulder, a couple of shoulder surgeries already out in Texas, here uh, in this great state. <laughs> yes. Um, sadly, I had a, another a car wreck on I ten. Holy and, cow! You need to stay out of cars. In four ten, <laughs> and totaled my car. Um, really? And it was right. Right before um, another massive blow to my uh, a nice uh, shocking surprise that I never expected um, was getting divorced. Well, let's talk about how that kind of came about. I mean, here you are. You moved to you moved to um, you moved to Texas. You've got this beautiful home, and now what happens? Well, the the silence. Now you say whatever you. I'm not sure. trying to dig. I'm no, just trying no. To, I want I, people to I've, understand. I like. Talking How fast about it. things can change. Yes, I. And communication must be. A, I mean, you just wonder where did something go wrong. But you go ahead. No, I I, I like to open up um, about that because I've talked about it numerous times. I wrote about it. Uh, thanks for uh, mentioning uh, the article that I wrote. On yeah, now divorce. where can people find that article? Uh, that currently is on lawofficer.com, and the title of the article is on divorce, and it was a. Basically, a a uh, a journal for my kids, and I was writing out a letter, um, or a journal entry, if you will, to my kids, um, who at the time were just about two and four, and going through this divorce, another shattering event in my life. I know that I had to take 
um, some ownership of this divorce, I know that many of the surgeries that I was not um, a good patient, um, being a uh, an incredible shape before the squad car accident and being limited to a wheelchair for six months, um, not being able to brush my teeth without almost physically crying because my biceps were torn off and my shoulders bilaterally needed some work done. I was, uh, I was a wreck. Um, well, it's sad as it is that the divorce rate is so high with first responders and police, obviously. Yes. Um, which is, so not only that, and here you are pretty much disabled trying to have your little wife take care of all this stuff. So no, that there's a huge uh, stigma with uh, law enforcement and sadly military that um, the 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 guys that put the uh, men and women that put the uniform on every day they they see things that no other human being sees on a daily basis, and it doesn't matter the department, big or small. There are accidents. Um, for an example, in the hill country, there might be an officer that has seen. Uh, an accident involving uh, a child, mm-hmm. and that doesn't go away. And then I use this as an example when I was teaching uh, criminal justice classes that an officer will use a man that's 40 years old, goes out to dinner with his family, and his wife is looking at him going, why are you staring at that couple? You find her attractive? And he's zoned out because that family that he's sitting next to reminds him of the family that he had to do the uh, paperwork on the car accident with mm. um, a child fatality. Now he's not going to mention that to his wife at dinner, but that kind of a storyboard can turn into a massive argument after dinner, going home, yes. you were looking at that girl at the table, weren't you? And sometimes whether you're in the military or law enforcement, you don't talk about the worst things you've seen in life. And it's the the healthy conversation pieces where you have to be able to express that while there was a story or there was an incident in the last week, this is why I've been the way I am. Um, I'm, I'm going to seek help, another stigma, because officers, um, you know, they if they have to go seek help, um, there's that stigma like, well, man, if I'm really struggling, yeah. the department might take my gun away from me. Yes. And now who am I? And if people know it, you don't want people to know that you're going to seek help. Exactly. So it's it's really a sad situation, but so many times they just need it. They need somebody to talk to. My gosh, like I said, I I know the statistics where a regular civilian like me might see two or three terrible things in my lifetime or some tragic, but an officer sees five to 600. And how do you how do you deal with it? That's a, that's a great question. And because the last several, the last three years, there is, well, or the during the defund the police years, there's been a wonderful ability to educate civilians and officers' families and extended that we are not just the father, mother, husband, wife, brother, sister. We're putting on a uniform and possibly juggling many hats from mental health counselor, um, babysitter, uh, domestic uh, professional, judge yeah. and jury, and with the inability for most people to understand the the chronic toll it takes on an officer and his well-being, which goes to me, 
of having healthy coping mechanisms. Yes. Well, Brian, in the future, we're going to be talking about more of this. We're just about out of time now, which it goes fast when you, uh, when you're talking about a story like yours, which is amazing. Folks, you need to go to lawofficer.com and read the article. You're going to be, we're going to be doing a series with Brian, just kind of continue the talk because he's got such wisdom, insight, and experience. Now, you know, he's, uh, the definition of experience is something happened to you. You wish it was happening to somebody else, <laughs> you yes. know, and you've got a lot of experience. So I don't want you folks to miss, um, uh, to miss these next episodes with Brian as he, as he kind of digs deeper into what, how to help, how to cope, how to um, understand and how to communicate. And so um, I'm, and when you read the article on divorce, that's his, the story about his divorce for his kids, go to lawofficer.com. It's an easy, great read, and you really feel your heart, Brian, in that. I'm grateful for you, Brad, and I'm grateful to countless people that don't get to thank you. Um, your organization is not just helping officers, they're helping families, the children get to see that their parent, mother or father, is truly a, a, a hero in their eyes, uh, but you show it uh, to countless people, so I'm grateful well, uh, to be here and uh, work with you with uh, Hope for Heroes. Well, we thank you. We give all the glory to God. He's the one that sends them to us. Amen. So thank you. Don't miss the next episode, folks, of Hope for Heroes, Way to the Badge podcast. Go to HopeForHeroesTX.org. Check it out. You'll see letters on there, all kinds of things. And we want to see you at the next one. Hey, so glad you joined me today. Now you're going to want to follow us because we've got some upcoming episodes that you're not going to want to miss. See you then. Of the bad.